friends welcome back to the film alchemist podcast the show where we look at movies we love break them apart question mark to find out what makes them magic huge fucking question mark i'm your host josh griffey joined as always by my dot 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 i refuse to say anything and co-host alex dandino Oh, man. Yeah, this fucking movie. I think we need to. All right, let's get this out of the way first. Let me do some housekeeping. (laughs) (laughs) So this is uh, Love on the Rocks, right? The pod's love is on the rocks. Uh, Love stories that aren't going well. I uh, had no idea we were so. By the way, I had no idea we were so clued in on this with this movie. We were shockingly good on this one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I'm still dying. Yeah, so Love on the Rocks Month. Um, so we're starting off with a movie called Tiptoes. Uh, this movie is a uh, to cinephiles, I would say. Maybe not even cinephiles, right? Because I, I think cinephile carries this snobbery to it, right? People who just watch a lot of movies and love movies. Yeah. But don't mind if they're not necessarily great. As long as they're interesting or weird. This is kind of a legend, legendary movie, right? Yeah. I had heard about this for a long time. You sent it to me, and I was like, how the fuck did I never think about that for the show? <laughs> and I'll, this is the fucked up thing. Not more than a week than you said that. I found a disc, a DVD in the wild at Half Price Books. I, I was like, holy shit, the universe is begging us to cover this movie. No, you And now I think not. that... No, I did. I have the DVD. I own the DVD. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, how many? How often do you think you're ever going to hear that sentence? That should get us a number one spot on the fucking Apple Podcast app. Yeah, right there. We should just chart for one week. So they're like, "Can you fucking believe this guy?" I'm actually like, "Who's the fucking rube who got rid of this most amazing conversation piece ever?" I'm assuming I will show that to so many people. Like, just have people in my house and just start it playing. So people walk in and they're like, "What the? What the fuck?" I mean, what the, the fact, fuck is <laughs> the fact that this movie isn't a midnight screening, like at some godforsaken theater in the middle of Los Angeles, is shocking to me. The fact that this isn't a regular New Beverly screening is amazing. Uh, I mean, I can. <laughs> I mean, okay. come on. Let so let's just start with some basics, right? This movie has three performers who have won Best Actor Oscars. Yeah, three. At least two of them legitimate. Yes, <laughs> uh, I would say Patricia Arquette might be maybe the lamest winner for that performance ever. But I like Patricia Arquette. Did she win for Boyhood? Yeah, Boyhood of all movies. Really? That's the one she got it for. Yeah. Oh my god, I had no idea that you won for some of those. Holy shit. (laughs) I just remember being like, what? Boyhood is one of those, we were talking about maybe we should do a month where we go back and talk about movies that were vastly loved by audiences that we hated. Boyhood is that movie for me. I think Boyhood is everything bullshit about movies I've ever seen. So the the three (laughs) people that's neither here nor there. McConaughey and Goldman have both won won for Dallas Buyers, and then Dinklage won for Game of Thrones. Right? He's won a couple of times. Oldman won for Darkest Hour. Oldman won for Darkest Hour. Dinklage has won, but Dinklage has won Emmys. I I think maybe a Golden Globe for Game of Thrones at least once. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
Dinklage as Tyrion Lannister, right? That, yeah. to me, is probably top 20, 25, right? It's one of the greatest television performances that I've ever seen, right? For sure. Lightning in a bottle kind of thing. I don't know if it's 20 or 25. There's a fuckload of TV. And I don't know how people rank that shit. I'm not the hippest TV guy. But to me personally, way on, at least on the list. And that's fucking incredible. This has such an insane cast. And then Kate Beckinsale is just like this constantly quality. Um, my One of my number one celebrity crush women. She's always good in movies. Um, Just in the... I mean, just fucking weighed down by the fucking anchors of 90 fashion. Uh, this. <laughs> okay. Then, but this is the to... thing, right? We need to get the elephant out. The 90s at this period were. This, when did this, this movie come out? 2002. This movie's a 2000s movie? Yes. 2003. Three. What sorry. the fuck? Even worse. The, the deeper it gets into the 2000s, the least woke it seems. <laughs> I think I've never been more shocked than anything in my life. The fact that this is not like a 1995 movie. Oh, no. It's fucking is the, insane. You got to remember, too. So that means in 2003, this is like the height of McConaughey as a like romantic lead in like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days type crowd. Kate Beckinsale. Had she done Underworld already? By 2003? Maybe. Either way, she was she was she was a popular actress. Dinklage was still an unknown, and then Gary Oldman is always Underworld's two thousand six. So no, okay, cool. So Gary, and then Gary Oldman's Gary Oldman. How the fuck is this not made in nineteen ninety five? Because it looks like a mid nineties movie. It does well. It does not only just feels like it. I gotta tell you, man, this is something like this is a same as you. I this is a movie that has come up a lot for some reason, like in my group of friends. And we talk about this a lot, but this film has like such an incredible story to like how it was made, why it was made. And then like what happened after it was made, like some of the things that occurred, you realize totally, totally (laughs) could have changed the movie into a much better film actually. Because I, I mean, personally for my, for my money, this movie is not very good, but, it's worth talking about uh, because this is a great example I, of when people stick their <laughs> fingers in and ruin something that probably might have been actually an okay idea after. In this movie, if thought. fingers are getting stuck in, that's a Bridget the Midget scene, and I'm all for. I got to say, I grew up, I love Bridget the Midget. I know that's not an okay name. That's her performer name. I'm not saying that. Uh, I won't go into detail, but I have been a fan for a long time. She gives a shockingly good performance as a uh, old old fast fast lane Sally. <laughs> Is that Oldman's girl in this? Yeah, <laughs> like uh, a shockingly okay. good performance, man. I I love Bridget the Midget in this, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking disagree with you. This goes back to one of my Fuck base you. premises. In you know, life. you're no. just doing no. this. D- no. no, no, I'm a man of fucking principle, dude. I'm like oh, a knight. Fuck off. <laughs> How dare you? Just because your table's fucking has hard corners and mine is round. I won't hear this. I have a creed. I'm a warrior, a noble paladin of cinema. I'll say this. Again, this is a criteria that I always have when judging a movie. Tiptoes will be memorable. I will watch it again multiple times. I will use it as a conversation piece constantly. 
that adds value. Like, honestly, just having this movie swim around or walk on its knees around my brain, as it were, uh, all day just baffled and pondering that, that's worth it to me. Great. Then by your notion, literally every movie that's ever been made is good. No, that's not true. I can't tell you the amount of films about the British royal family I have forgotten or condensed into one movie. But certainly there's someone who finds that engaging enough to make it a conversation topic. It certainly it would, by your rationale then in someone else's life, be a good movie. And that's that's the case for all movies. Movies are to each audience member, right? There's no rights or wrongs. I'm saying I think this movie... And again, this is kind of what we had talked about a week or two ago, right? I can't remember what movie we were discussing. Oh, uh, Velvet Buzzsaw, where it's like sometimes a movie just has some kind of things that you like sitting in with it, even though there are just kind of big problems and things that don't work or connect. But something about the alchemy of the weirdness of it and the, the melding of pieces makes it worth sitting there. I mean, this is an no. hour and a half movie. I didn't feel like I had invested a lot. Then I again, what I've gotten out there, of this, there, this movie is cultural cash, no. brother. There's a difference, but be- there's oh a difference God. between what you're talking about and what this movie is. This movie is objectively not a very well made movie. <laughs> okay, no wait, I'm not, I'm not trying to sit here and say that there aren't baffling decisions constantly. <laughs> And problems with the movie. What I'm saying is, is that the problems the do not preclude this from becoming a movie that will have more value to me than a lot of movies. That's what I'm saying. I'm not here to argue that this was like the lost snub of 2003, right? Like, okay, I get it. It's 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 not say a... It. Uh, say it. No, I won't. Say it. I won't. Say it. I won't. Because it's, it's true. It's not maybe like a Juliet... Uh, a Julia Roberts. Nope. nope. Say right? it. Right? It's, it's, it's not a pretty woman, right? It's a little bore uh, Nicholas Cage. Say it because it's Los true, Angeles. Griffey. Say it. I want to hear hey. the words. Sometimes a bruised apple can still be sweet, man. Nope. That's Don't even I'm try. Saying. Don't even try to use a metaphor to get out of this. Say the words. I didn't real. You know what I just realized? You are to cinema what matthew mcconaughey is to all don't the even don't you fucking dare start with that shit don't you dare start with that shit you and i both know that this is objectively a poorly made movie i don't this is disagree what i know you sit on your fucking giant white pedestal i don't disagree that this Los movie Angeles, i don't disagree and you judge that this us movie, little people i don't cinema. don't even start don't you dare <laughs> I don't disagree that this movie is not worth talking about and worth engaging in because otherwise I would have told you, fuck, no, I'm not watching that movie. What I'm saying is that this movie is objectively a bad movie. It's rare you can find those objective bad movies. This I just there's a movie that everyone should Google and watch. I would say it's free on voodoo, right? Or to TV. That's where it is. It's called Head of the Family. And I just watched this movie with our friend Jonathan Holiday as part of a double feature with Lost Boys. And he was saying the same thing. He's like, Griff, this is just not a good movie, and it's essentially a softcore porn. And I said, a pox on your house, sir. How dare ye? How dare ye? Because this movie has stuck with me. No, no. How dare ye? Because they disagree with you. What the problem is, is you won't admit that this movie is objectively not well made. What I'm saying is that you're like a fucking little Dinklage, man. You're here to just throw bombs. I'm here like Oldman to share my worldview with three newspapers. How dare you? (laughs) How absolutely dare you? I cannot believe you. 
You're just going to do you want this me to just say? to make me is this, seem like an asshole. Is this an, an A? Is this what an A doing? movie? No. No. This is a, But in high school, a, were there tests that you got a D and you were excited about it? Okay. So you're That's just going to do this. Movie this. All right, cool. I'll play. Let's move <laughs> on. I'll play. It's fine. We'll just keep going. You can be the right, you know, fierce, def- fierce defender of shit, and that's fine with me. We'll Hold just keep on. Moving. Hold on. I'm going to do Would you like to play a game? By the end of the pod, I will get you to concede that this no, was a won't. worthwhile artistic endeavor. I, uh, no. Absolutely <laughs> not. If you're going to use I those do, words, I will fucking prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're wrong. What you can prove if to I me do, is that this is worth no. What you can prove to me is this is worth talking about because I agree. Like otherwise, I wouldn't have watched it. It's worth talking about saying. and it's worth having a conversation about. What it's not worth is any sort of accolade whatsoever in the sense of a well-made film. Before I just fucking goosh knowledge all up on your face, I want you to admit that if I can get you to concede by the end of the movie, you will name your son Tiny Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will absolutely not make that. <laughs> you're not putting your child's future on the line. You know not why I won't. Confident. You know why I'm not because you're not going to do it. Because whatever I ask of you is going to be inconsequential. You already have two kids. It does not matter. This movie is objectively a poorly made film. Sorry. All right. So here's how we start the movie. <laughs> Let's dive in. Um. <laughs> The, co- the costumes. Yeah, Let's dive in. How do you go? What do you think? Okay, what, I have to what say, are we starting with? Kate Beckinsale has been dream girl status for me since Underworld, right? That was one of those uh, uncomfortable viewing experiences for me because it came like right at the time <laughs> when I was in those teenage years, right? I was very amped up. Sure, sure. Uh, I remember Underworld trailer, right? When she jumped off the roof and landed in like the trench coat and the suit, I was sure. like, a oh, damn. Like, she's been a top five dream girl of mine forever. So I am objectively uh, non-objective on Kate Beckinsale. I adore her. And I actually do think she's a really good actress. Very talented and versatile. Right. It pained me (laughs) to watch her fucking as a billboard for the worst fashions of the 90s. Okay. All right. So let's let's run through a list here. So we had – we we started off (laughs) – So we have to have that the Godsmack logo tramp stamp for sure. I'm sure we can't call them tramp stamps anymore. That's not very cool. Um, it's not a, lower it goes back, all the way upper back. Does it really? I only saw the Godsmack logo. You can only see that part, but if you look at her, I saw because I wrote it in my notes. I'm like, does that thing go all the way up her back in her? <laughs> like you can see through some sheer shirts. Her tattoo goes all the way up. Yes. So this is the other thing, right? We've got the super low cut pants, right? The uh, do you shave your muff pants that were really popular at the end of the 90s, like Christina Aguilera videos. Right, right. Um, and this isn't the 90s. She has uh, multiple chokers, including one that looks like the Hot Topic belt that guys like in who like Newfound Glory used to wear in high school. Yeah. Remember those belts with the metal studs? She had one of those as a necklace, and yeah. it looked like a dog collar. I um, one she did the white tank top with the uh, string bikini underneath. Yeah, very popular. I was like... Uh... Very popular late nineties, early two thousands fashions. I it hurt me. It hurt problem, me. I think of myself as a creature of the nineties. And Kate Beckinsale was pulled my all of my fantasies take place in the nineties, right? Yeah. And a lot of my fantasies include Kate Beckinsale. And this reminded me of this was like one of my Victor Frankenstein moments where I was like, I've gone too far. 
<laughs> I never should have crossed the streams. I noticed you glossed over a colossal moment in this film, by the way, which is the introduction of our lead character, Rolf, who's played by Gary Oldman. Okay, I was Peter getting Dinklage. there. I was going one thing at a it's time. It's the first thing that happens in the movie, and then the introduction of Patricia Arquette's character, who is a transient hooker? Or a no, she's not, she's not a hooker. Remember, some guy called her a hooker and she whooped his ass with her shoes. Are we not sure the reason for that is because she doesn't like being called a hooker, but she, in fact, is a hooker? I mean, I never saw her take any cash, and then she ended up... Are you saying that this was a pretty woman? I'm saying I never saw this woman with Are you saying employment. that Dinklage's Marxist terrorist character, Frenchman, was actually the Richard Gere of this film? Could he not be? Why not? He literally, he literally afforded her entire lifestyle, which not wasn't great, but nevertheless afforded her entire well, life. And that motherfucker never had a job. Like what the <laughs> Rolf afforded their lifestyle. Well, Rolf, you know. that's a saves the cat moment, right? Is that Rolf is paying for uh, his buddy to get wet the whole movie? Right, I'll right. tell you why she's not a prostitute. Because when he starts having, we find out that apparently if you're a little person, you're just in constant pain all the time, right? Right. And this guy obviously leads like a hard drinking, partying lifestyle, and he gets these like unexplained terrible stomach pains she comforts his ass she coddles him that's right nurtures him and by the end it looks like they're really in love and then not so much in the movie that restarts halfway through (laughs) but i would say not a hooker on patricia arquette fair either way it's definitely more downstairs i've ever seen of patricia arquette than i ever expected to in the rest of my life I, yeah, she looks like a club extra from, like, Blade. Yeah, she so really it's very does. in your face all the time. <laughs> I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of Patricia Arquette butt and bikini area for this movie. I was shocked. Uh, <laughs> I got to I got to say, right, that the little tricycle motorcycles that's fine. That was cool, right? I this is the thing that I thought was so weird about the movie. Among many things, I guess. Let's not just say that's the only thing. This movie felt like four or five movies stitched together. Right? <laughs> so, so there's definitely a version of this movie. Because it, it felt like there were constant extra characters or characters doing thing another character was more apt to do. The whole movie. So there's a, there's a portion of this movie that is essentially... Uh, a true romance prequel, right? Where it's just Dinklage and Patricia Arquette running and gunning. She accepts him for who he is. He is obviously mad at the world that he's tra- taught or treated as a little person. Um, They get knocked up. She wants to keep it. He's afraid of bringing another little, little person into the world to suffer what he did, right? That's a whole movie. Yes. Then there's this weird, like triangle buddy comedy with Rolf added in. That's also kind of a movie. Then there's this Kate Beckinsale, Matthew McConaughey story. Uh, Rolf seems like he should be the main character, but never is the lens for even one scene. Uh, it's just one of those. It's so odd. Like to me, the, the most unusual arc in the movie is definitely maybe the only arc in the movie is McConaughey, right? Uh, is it an arc? Because I gotta be honest, I I felt like well, I mean it's a it's a death spiral as much as an arc. I don't know where the high point would be. <laughs> well, yeah, like I gotta tell you, like there's nothing about McConaughey's like character that made me think 
Like, as soon as all this shit started going, basically, as soon as they had the kid, that's when, like, the second movie starts. Um, That's where... They, they fucking return to the kingness. Yeah, I mean, it, but it also, like, I was trying to figure it out. I'm watching the movie, and I'm like, is this movie about... This movie isn't about really, like, acceptance or anything like that. What it's about is, like, what a huge, like, hypocritical piece of shit Matthew McConaughey's character is. Like... Yeah, G- for sure. Like gigantic hypocrite. <laughs> like it's- well, you could just call this movie hypocrite. Um, how hard little people make life for unencumbered normal sized people? Because <laughs> the whole movie essentially is a oh look at my brother and family I love. What if that fucking suck if I actually had to deal with any of that? Yeah, it's but this is the because okay so this is we are introduced to McConaughey, and this is this is bad. Like the first thing we see is that. He turns down a blowjob yeah. from Kate Beckinsale because he's such a good son that he has to get to the little person convention. Right. When he's there, he's so nice to everyone. He's clearly beloved by these groups. Um, <laughs> He's out there making nice. He takes the girls out on the floor and dances. Ends with a bit of a questionable. His dance move is essentially is to shake his ass right at the height of all the girls he's dancing with? Yeah, I think I've seen that dance move before, though. Like, it's in another movie somewhere. Was it Suspiria? Was it? <laughs> no, I'm no. To think of other dance movies we've covered. <laughs> no, like, I'm just, like, I feel like I've seen, like, him do that in another movie, and I don't know where. Uh, I'm just saying if you're oh, dancing wait, I know with what it little is. people that you're related to, in, maybe um, don't put your butthole right at eye level. It, well, that goes without saying. Actually, no, it feels I know uncomfortable. Exact, I just realized where it's from. Um, in the movie Ed TV, uh, <laughs> when he goes on, I think he like in the movie goes on like Letterman or Leno or one of those late night talk shows, and he does this like thing called the chicken dance. He's like, my brother doesn't think I don't know how to do it, but I can do it pretty good, and he does that exact fucking dance. <laughs> wow, I'm that so this glad guy, I figured this out. Uh, rebuilt his life and becomes Ed from Ed. <laughs> oh my god. I think this is a I actually wrote down so now to also a prequel to Ed, I also wrote down that I think this is a prequel to Boyhood. Cuz I think this is I think Patricia Arquette gets pregnant with Peter Dinklage's kid and that who ends that's who ends up being uh the one kid. I think Ethan Hawke's just a surrogate. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You're welcome. Fuck Ethan Hawke. No. <laughs> You're I welcome. Like Ethan Hawke. I love you. No, Ethan but Hawk. but this is the weird this is what blows my mind, right? So they start the movie with, he's such a good guy. He seemingly cares about his brother. He's like, oh, mom and dad are mad at you. You missed the thing again. You're the trouble, brother, Rolf. Right, right. Even though he's this writer, motorcycle guy, right? Seems very charismatic. And then as soon as he finds out his girlfriend's pregnant, he's upset. Oh, and by the way, they just make him a firefighter training guy. So he's just more of a lovable guy because he right. saves fires. Well, when Kate Beckinsale finds out, Right. There's a little moment where it's like, oh, is she going to be a trash person about this? Right. When she meets Rolf. Right. Her arc to acceptance and almost excitedness about it is instantaneous. Yeah. Well, it's it's the less thing than I like the most like. is so he like where like all we've seen him wear is like all we've seen Matthew McConaughey wear is like really nice clothing. And then you realize what his job is, is a firefighter trainee or a trainer. And he literally, right before she shows up to like berate him for not saying that his family is full of quote unquote midgets, and he like keeps trying to correct her, which is pretty entertaining to watch. Yeah. Right beforehand, <laughs> right beforehand, he fucking berates this fat firefighter for being fat. 
like you screaming. You fat fuck! You fat Children fuck! Are you didn't lose any of the way I told you to lose. You fucking suck. Get your fucking ass fat ass up that hill. And someone's like, smell hey. the corpses of your daughter. <laughs> yeah, like berating the guy. And someone walks. She's like, dude, you gotta relax. You're getting really intense. And then she fucking. And that is when Kate Beckinsale barrels down with the infamous hat. Now I don't know. Yes, you, I forgot about the fucking. Uh, now, the, I don't know if you <laughs> what know is this. It? It's Chris. the Ebenezer I, Scrooge sleeping cat. Okay, I don't know if you know this. This was like something because I did a lot of I did a lot of research. Like actually, before I found <laughs> before I found the movie, I read this huge article about it because it's actually Ding. very it's right, a very fascinating out. film. That is, that is a point in my favor that this sent you scurrying to do so much extra. This reading. was not because of you. This was Continue. beforehand. But, no, because of the movie's integrity. No, that has nothing to do with it. Uh, it is a really fascinating story, though, which is Matthew Bright, who's the director and writer of the movie, which originally his original idea for this movie was literally just little people fucking each other. That's what he is said. Is he a full size guy? Yes. Full size is probably condescending, right? Like a Right. Is he a normal or an average size guy? Wow. I'm really I don't know what the words are anymore. I would just go with. <laughs> regular size not that dude. this movie ever it, gives a fuck it seems like <laughs> yeah no it doesn't matter at all but basically so um all the actors in this movie because obviously he wasn't going to get a lot of he didn't get a lot of money for this this was actually paid for by the langley's who own the cops dynasty if you're a big fan of cops the, those are the <laughs> those are the people who finance this movie um what it is though is Kate Beckinsale, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, and Gary Oldman all agreed to do SAG minimum, which like if you're doing an indie movie is usually sort of customary. The one condition Kate Beckinsale had <laughs> was that she got to wear her lucky hat in the movie, and that's the hat. <laughs> that Kate Beckinsale wears that on the reg? That's Kate Beckinsale's lucky hat, and that was the one condition of her being in the film. She would do SAG minimum to be in the movie as long as she got to wear her lucky hat in a scene. And that's the lucky hat. The Ebenezer Scrooge three prong is <laughs> Kate Beckinsale's lucky hat. It looks like that dude's hat from uh, Serenity. Yes. yes. Jan's hat or whatever. Uh, okay, that will never leave my mind. I'll never be able to think of Kate again without the hat. Yep. And I'm okay with that. That's fine. Um, No, but this is the part of the movie that baffles me, right? Is so McConaughey is set up so much as a good guy. He does really lay into that fat guy. Yeah. Um, his descent into madness is almost <laughs> immediate. I'm so glad you started describing One of the it next scenes is she's like, well, I want to have the baby, and he's probably going to be little. It's cool, right? And he's like yeah. kind of on the fence. There is a scene that was so baffling to me. I couldn't really put – I I'm always fascinated by weird choices in movies and because this – you know, it's safe to assume that these people spend an enormous amount of like you you write scripts, you work in the business, right? I used to. It is such a fucking agonizingly slow process. Yeah. Even the fastest movie shoots, right? There was a ton of uh writing and rewriting and deals and hiring and it's absurd. So this movie had been rattling around in hundreds of brains for a long time. Right. And this scene comes out of nowhere where she calls McConaughey and is, in, is essentially like, so I met your brother. He took me to see your other family. They seem nice. Like, I'm okay with this. We're going to go to a party, um, you know, at your uncle's house, right? Like this mini Playboy mansion. No, no pun intended, right? Like, I, <laughs> never mind. But um, pretty sure he's, I've shot in that house before. Yeah, he's out in the woods. In the middle of the night, apparently, like, they, they don't go home from training firefighters. He's just huffing it. 
uh, you know, in the woods. He gets so mad. Oh, he God. He throws oh. his fucking phone into the Thank you. The I'm nether, so glad you brought this up. And then turns around and asks this tall fucking leggy blonde, right? Like, just that classic kind of, you know, attractive Hollywood blonde lady. Yeah. To go with him to the party. The moment he gets to the fucking party, she leaves because David Allen Greer's character um, is there and is apparently famous and she just wants an autograph. It never comes up again. He doesn't use her as a bludgeon. Nope. Um, Kate Beckinsale doesn't seem to notice or care. It, it's it's such an unusual. It's like absolutely why bizarre. He had to ask her to that party for some fucking reason. Yeah, it's. And then, I, but this is the weird, like, this is the thing, right? Because it's a descent into madness with a leveling off where he's like, all right, well, I guess we're cool and I'll be okay for a minute and then we'll have a wedding scene. And then darkness comes fast, like apocalypse now fast, right? Like, oh, shit, we've gotten to Kurtz's temple fast. Right, right. Um, but, and then the rest of the movie, he does nothing but be a piece of shit. Yeah. Like, well, I think that's what's interesting. And like, here's a I question remember, for you, right? I want you to run on this. Whose point of view are we supposed to be latching on to? And what are we supposed to be gleaning from this movie? That's the whole problem I have. There is no point of view. I have it absolutely no It feels like no Beckinsale, idea. right? But, like, it's easy to latch on to Kate Beckinsale's point of view. Like, of course it's Kate Beckinsale because, like, she's the outsider meeting all these new people. Like... I think that's the main problem with the film is that there is no point of view. Like there's just <laughs> things that happen. And then the movie ends. Like I don't really give a shit what happens to Kate Beckinsale because like she'll figure it out. She clearly is okay with everything that's going on. So she's going to move on with her day. Like what I don't understand is why Matthew McConaughey is a character in the movie other than just to be present and be a huge piece of shit. Like that's the thing that's crazy to me is this movie is literally about a person who clearly like, deep down totally resents and hates his family for being different. Like it's weird. It makes me uncomfortable. Who's set up to be the ultimate family guy. When it yeah. Starts. Like when it starts, it's like, Oh, this guy is totally on board. Like he's dealt with this entire, he dealt with something like this his entire life. And then he's confronted with it. Like, then you're like, wow, what a huge piece of shit. Who's just like, no, nah, I can't deal with it. It's too real. You're like, wow, fuck you, dude. My God. Like See, you've been living. Like it's basically like yeah. someone who, it's someone who sits there and goes, mm, yeah, you know, I can drink milk and do it. It's like people with me with like lactose. Like, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I don't really drink milk. Oh, and like, wow. oh, yeah, I got ice cream. Like, that's the kind of shit that you're like, oh, well, you know, if it's you, it's different. Like, fuck you're, off. You're equating your struggles to the characters in this movie. Granted, sorry, I'm, I apologize that my metaphors aren't as elegant as yours in describing tiptoes, but nevertheless, I'm sure we can find a way to understand what we're what I'm getting at. See, here. unlike you, I don't judge your art, man. I take it for what you it is. My just table is round and has art. no corners. You literally just judged it. Anyways. No, I I put out a question and you judged yourself. You're as DJ Khaled said, you played yourself. That's fine. <laughs> it's my business. I can do it if I want. No, uh <laughs> I think this whole movie is interesting to me because if you look at it from Kind of a today perspective, which I guess is the only way I can watch it, right? I found it late. I didn't find it when I was young. And we all know things Huge were so shock. different in the 90s and early 2000s with how uh, woke everyone was, right? How much people were on their tiptoes about not trying to offend other people. Uh, well this, done. Well done. See? You get a round table, dude. Your mind expands. Shut no. up. <laughs> Don't even try. I'm Keep like going. McConaughey and True Detective. 
No. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> you're that guy with the lawnmower and face scars that he just forgot about meeting in the middle keep of the it go Keep it moving, McConaughey. <laughs> okay. It's not going to work this time. Hey, man, this pod is a flat circle, dude. We'll get there. Nope. No. You're not the fucking tax man. You are for sure Woody Harrelson in this. <laughs> keep it fucking moving, man. Hey, I would like to be either of those guys. Woody's getting that young stri- Never mind. That's weird. Yeah. Don't, don't start that. Just keep going. <laughs> no. Okay. Pulling back from midlife crisis, Griffey. No. <laughs> yeah, wow. That was um, deeply troubling. There is a thing when you watch this movie, right, that watching it in today's perspective to me reminded me of people who love to be around things that make them stand out when there's nothing interesting or unique about themselves, right? Right. McConaughey to, to me in this movie plays as like an Instagram model. This guy who he likes that his family are little people, right? Because when he's right. nice to them, he can yeah. get the pictures, he gets the extra sympathy. Yeah, it's fashionable, right? He likes that his girlfriend is this crazy artist who wears the weirdest clothes, right? Um, he likes everything about that. The firefighter, right? That's a perfect Instagram model thing. Because uh, that's where the calendar work is gone, is to Instagram, right? right. But uh, he strikes me as that guy. And then the moment that he thinks... It will affect him. He breaks down. The birth scene to me is actually probably my favorite scene in the movie, right? When she gives birth and the baby's crying. And for some reason, they have to have a dwarf doctor to talk about the medical Absolutely stuff with him. baffling. I have Which no is fine. idea. Hey, man, there are a lot of dwarf actors that probably aren't getting a ton of roles. So cool. Everyone have your roles. That's great. He did fine in the scene. I don't begrudge McConaughey anybody for getting a job. immediate reaction to... The miracle of birth. I've been in that fucking room, right? Yeah. Twice. You've been in, or you will be in that room soon, and you will see when you go back and rewatch Tiptoes for the eighth or ninth time, you'll be like, oh, man, this is really hitting me on a different level. Um, To not be at all taken back by the miracle of birth and relieved that your wife survived. Right. That's like a really prescient thought, right? It's just you're in that room. You're like, I just hope everything's safe. Right? Like, I'll deal with whatever. You never know if there's going to be something extra or whatever. Right. But to have that reaction and then start punching walls. No, not just punching walls. Punching through walls. He literally broke the door. But this is the way the scene plays. He's a fucking crazed maniac. He comes back in and asks to hold the baby. And I had a moment, because the music they chose is so fucking strange. It has this ominous, like, heavy tone to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said... If he fucking kills this baby right now, I'm going to fucking flip out. <laughs> okay. Because that's where the movie I was going. I was in that hospital room. Thought. I was like, I actually thought he's, he's run- going to kill this baby. I have a thing. I'm like, do you think he's going to run out of the room and just throw the baby out the window? I bet it might happen. Like in this movie, at this point, all bets are off. Like anything could happen in this movie. Ding! That's another mark in my, that's another tally in my column is that tiptoes about 30 minutes in lets you know that you can see anything <laughs> nope it's not a mark in your column you are using false equivalency for your argument it's not going to work it does no, not change the fact that within the within the narrative of the movie the turn at that point is so shockingly bad we have to basically just assume it's a different movie no he goes from the prize son who turns down a blowjob to not disappoint his parents to is he going to murder that baby in about 45 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> that is 
a dramatic plunge into darkness that you do not see in a ton of movies. It's right. Like what if house of Jack started with him, like helping an old lady across the street, right? <laughs> like that's what this movie's trying to pull off. It's insane, but it's, and then what we get to is we go, then go on to find out that the, the, this is another great scene, right? This is a great back to back. Cause we cut to the parenting scene, which again, this is in your future too. Where all of a sudden Kate Beckinsale no longer is adorned in 90s stuff. Yeah. Now she looks like overweight guys who ride the carts at Walmart, right? Down the Oreo aisle. Right, right. She's wearing that outfit, right? That's what us parents wear because we're just like so beaten down. McConaughey is still fucking dressed like an Abercrombie model, right? He's got like that tight fucking form-fitting shirt, his nice shoes, his jeans. And he's just like, I fucking told you if you have him, he's going to have medical stuff. I'm not helping because I warned you. And then as she's going back in and she's like, he's been crying all night. I'm up with him. I'm disheveled. He goes, I can't take it anymore. I packed a bag. And it's like, you fucking piece of shit. And then the next time we see him is when she has weathered the storm, gotten her life together with the help of his brother, right? Who is a dis, I don't know if you consider dwarfs disabled, but he has a crutch, right? Like he has a hard time getting around. He has a hump. Yeah, he's willing to help. Yeah. Right? We see him do a good dad scene. McConaughey comes back when he's like, oh, hey, everything's cool. And has the, the audacity, the fucking audacity of this guy. He not only says, I love my baby. I'm the daddy. I want back in. And he's like, how dare you assume I don't love the baby? And Kate Beckinsale's like, no, I know you do. And I was like, the fuck he does? <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about here? Right. When he leaves the baby, the last thing he says to his son is, see you later, big guy. I was like... He is the worst piece of shit who's ever lived. It is such a complete and utter fucking destruction of this idealized man that we start the movie with. It's pathetic. Like, I mean, it's just it one of those It feels like it should have been a Werner like, Herzog documentary. That's how much destruction happened. Like, it's just, yeah, like, it's just like such an odd derailment. And you're like, good Lord. Like, not only is it like, it's one of those things which just hits the skid so hard. You're like, Jesus Christ. Like, this is going all the way in on fucking craziness. So that whole shit happens. But this is the thing that I think was the most, like, upsetting. Because this is what I think would have actually made it a really interesting movie. And I wish that it had been a little more prevalent because I think I actually would be, be agreeing with you at this point. Is I... Probably about 30 minutes in, thought this was going to be about her wanting to fuck Gary Oldman. Like, meeting Gary Oldman's character. I never got there. And them wanting to fuck. They did the mouth kiss after the wedding, and that kind of was like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. Well, they did the mouth kiss a lot. But, like, I really thought this movie was going to end up being about, like, the reason, like, the the title to me says a lot. Like, to me, when I think about the title, like, Tiptoes, like, Oh well, you know, you know, people get you know, you know, maybe it's a little people reference, like which is rude. But then the other Just thing, trying I think, to like trying to get a little higher to be noticed, right? But then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, oh, is this like about maybe Gary Oldman's gonna start fucking Kate Beckinsale, and that's what this is gonna be? Like that's kind of cool. Like I totally would have been on board with that kind of flick, but instead, it's this weird like half like half of it's you know leading up to a wedding, which. By the way, the the parents scene, like when they're just out on the porch drinking and shit, and the, <laughs> the dad starts telling scene. dirty limericks and shit. Like there are no because the mom's sitting there twirling the fork and shit, and you're like, 
Sylvia, you're just waiting to be a yeah. bitch. I She's know it, like, Sylvia. I know waiting you're waiting for it? Yeah, I know you're fucking type, Sylvia. You're just waiting to say something bitchy. Right, right, right. And she starts. And she's like, I got to get this out there. And everyone freezes. Yeah. And she hits him with the, hey, we just want you guys to get a Jewish wedding so that our parents don't judge. Right, right. And it's this great moment of levity. But this, dude, think about this. So they go from that scene to um, waspy fucking rich white parents meet people who it seems like they're going to be prejudiced against are totally cool. Right. Right. In the Trump era, the fact that those people aren't, you know, like shouting in the face of someone in an abortion clinic or doing something terrible. You're like, there's hope for white people. And then they go to the wedding and it seems so fucking hopeful and optimistic. Even fucking Dinklage and uh, Moonbeam or whatever the fuck her name is seem like they're mildly okay. Right. But again, before I, the hardest fucking turn. <laughs> but I re yeah, exactly. Right before like the hardest left turn you've ever seen in a movie. Like, and I'm not talking like, oh man, I got to make the light left turn. I'm talking about like, I have to make the light and it's like a hard left. Like you have to turn like, no, yes. it's like one of those streets where you have to turn back up around. The male lead of this around. movie is the male lead of this movie 10 seconds after his wedding about to murder his newborn yeah. son. That's the turn it. But I really thought. <laughs> I really thought 30 minutes into the movie because basically if you know a little more about the story of how this movie came to be like essentially so the director did a cut the Langleys and whoever the other producers were watched it fucking hated it fired him and recut the movie itself so his original cut lives somewhere nobody really knows anything about it apparently Nicholas Wending Refn who's the guy who directed Drive has seen it and was amused whatever that means but <laughs> There's a different cut of this movie, but basically they recut this. I never whole thought thing. that me and Nicholas would be on a side against you. That I did not see coming. I never thought he'd be on your That's side. That's a hard plot twist. Exactly. <laughs> but this is the thing is I feel like within the scenes we get because this movie really isn't like it doesn't function the way a normal narrative works. Like it literally hard cuts after like the big scenes in a movie also their house, like her apartment or whatever clearly is a set that they weren't allowed to touch anything. Cause like they have like uh stuffed animals amongst barbells. I'm like, all right, all right. like, what are we doing here? Or amongst the dumbbells. But clearly there was supposed to be a B plot where she's like thinking about having sex or like being with Gary Oldman instead entirely. <laughs> and that's how, but then this is, this is like a perfect ending for this movie. This movie ends with the Kate Beckinsale. Like they, you know, they have the whole standoff with Matthew McConaughey and he's like, all right, I'm a piece of shit. I'm going to get out of here. He doesn't say that, but you just know that's probably the paraphrase. And then, uh, they are like standing at, sitting out under the moonlight and looking up at the stars. Oh my God. Yes. And then she's like, <laughs> you can kiss me, Rolf. And he kisses her, cut, end of movie, credits roll. That is the end of the movie. Like, they share a kiss, and that's the end, which led me Would to believe. Would you think you were going to get a Bridget the Midget fucking finish her up scene? <laughs> I thought it was maybe going to get, like, a fatal attraction Bridget the Midget. Like, maybe she boils a rabbit knowing the kid's home. I don't know like, if this is cool to say, but I would have given an extra three minutes of my life to see old men in that costume dropping a loaf yeah. <laughs> with that hair those glasses yeah the body <laughs> I, I would have given an extra five minutes to see how they fucking worked that out <laughs> but this movie in general just takes such a hard left turn and ends in such a weird way from where it starts that 
you kind of just sort of, I, I, I was like, wow, that was a complete and utter shock. But oh, wait, I was wrong again. This is a prequel to Frailty. <laughs> McConaughey comes back and he finds them fucking plowing in a barn and he's like, X murder. <laughs> yeah, this is, I mean, it's so weird. But yeah, like I the, honestly the connected think that- tissue from scene to scene might be the most fucking uh, overstressed I've ever seen. In my life. Sorry, did you say? Oh, there's connective tissue. Sorry, I didn't notice that during the during my screening of the film. Oh yeah, it's there. I thought the connective tissue was just let's fade to black. I think this is the end of the moment. All right, cool. It great. might look like my fucking fat, overworked knee tendon where it's like on its last last gasp, but it's there. Because <laughs> that scene, I love that the scene with the Rolf. Do you want to kiss me? Comes immediately after McConaughey was just there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but then, okay, this is, this is, what, this is what leads me to say. believe there's supposed to be this B-plot where she and him were going to get together in the movie in general, which would have made it actually a really palatable story, and I would have been kind of on board. Like, that is the sure. thing I w- would have made sense to me. The thing that the thing that struck me in this movie, right, besides Gary Oldman's costume, where I'm like, did they give him, like, a fucking fake diaper butt? <laughs> like, they did weird things to him in that movie, right? Yeah, like. Yeah. He, God, that costume. I mean, there's no way anyone should have been like approved. <laughs> like on a lot of levels. What I what feel like somebody me, I though. feel like everyone's just like, well, that's about as good as it's going to get and just like moved on. Right. Well, I just watched last night on Shutter, right? They have this great documentary called Horror Noir. Right. It's kind of about the history of uh African Americans in horror movies, right? So a lot about how um, the early days started with even like Birth of a Nation, right? Depicted black people as monsters. Then they disappeared from kind of that sci-fi atomic age horror movies because uh, they didn't think black people belonged in labs. Then the rise through black exploitation, and then they became the kind of helpful black person friend to show that, oh, if a white, if you think a white person's suffering, then it must be bad. And it was really fascinating, right? Because you see these like icons of uh, black horror cinema Talking about this, um, the way they were used often as props uh, to help show something through the lens of white people, right? right? That's what this movie struck me as, is the point of this movie to me should be about someone who's dealing with otherness or difference trying to get by and have a normal, okay life when all the odds are against them. Right. But instead, we do this weird thing where instead of following Ralph and or Rolf and Sally or Dinklage and Arquette. Right. Right. It's like, let's get two of the fucking hottest, most in shape, normal straight white people and lens. Everyone else's bullshit by how annoying it is to these people. They've had it the best their whole lives. McConaughey's got like 10 fucking abs. He even looks good in those old fucking dad, like white underwear. So you're like, fuck this guy. Fuck this firefighter. And that dude then we have to try to sympathize with him because he's like, oh, my kid's going to cry a little extra because he's in agony. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Or Kate Beckinsale is supposed to just be like a good mom because she wants to work it out with him because he's probably like also amazing in bed or whatever subplot was in there. But it, to me, the movie, right? You could go two ways, right? I'm with you. If Rolf and her fell in love, right? Like me and you did a play together, Fat Pig. Yeah. And the whole premise of that play is, This guy meets someone who he just has this very genuine connection with, right? Like, his heart is actually engaged in the Hallmark way that we all wish it were. 
Right. But he's afraid of being seen with her because of, you know, the stigmas around being an overweight woman. And, of course, you cast me as the super terrible friend that said horrible things to this nice, lovely actress we had. You were the only person who I knew would be willing to say it. Well, I told her, too. I was like, I'm so fucking sorry. And I love Tracy. She's so (laughs) fucking kind of nice. By the way, Tracy, yeah, Tracy is an amazing actress. It's fun to watch And she's fucking killing it. She's the sweetest lady. And I remember her just kind of being like, dude, it's fine. Like, it's a play. Like, I'm not upset. But I remember every rehearsal just like, oh, fuck. Like, I'd be outside having a cigarette and be like, god damn it. I, like, I can't make eye contact with her and say (laughs) this shit. Like, holy fuck. It was hard. But yeah. <laughs> and and that's the movie that because I, I guess what I would say is I I find this movie fascinating on more of like a experiment level, right? Like, well, that was fucking weird. Like, what is this? Right. But to me, it's I don't know what the lens of the movie is, right? Like, I don't care how someone else's disability inconveniences normal, straight, healthy white people with abs and can fuck all night and are artists and whatever. Yeah. Fuck those people. I want to know about Rolf's life. Like, Rolf is the character that felt like he had something to add to the movie. Right. It is just a prop. He's well, actually based just Based on prop. what the movie is supposed to be about, that would be the <laughs> actionable choice for a main character. Is like, focusing on this guy's life and focusing on what he goes through on a regular basis. And then if you introduce... This woman who has a genuine connection with him and he has this really handsome twin brother who's like, oh, yeah, I have everything. It's perfect. Oh, except, you know, maybe my kid might be a little person when he's born. Like if you have that kind of thing, like the struggle there is real because it's twofold. It's then you have a story about someone who wishes they were different or maybe they don't. Maybe they've accepted who they maybe they accept that they're different. They're fine with it. Like that's their life. But you have someone who's has a genuine personal connection with another person who happens to be connected to someone that they like the love triangle element would have been so incredible. And honestly, there's a lot to play with there, especially in this kind of movie. But, you know, instead, and I don't even know that I would I, I I'm with you. Right. To me, like, here's something I think would be interesting. Right. So Rolf and as obviously in Dinklage and all the other little people actors, they've spent their whole lives trying to cope with this and form an identity and not be defined by this thing. Right. But him facing the real world consequence, like something I was fascinated by. So his dad is played by the actor who's the uh, little guy from the Red Room um, in oh, Twin yeah. Peaks. Mm-hmm. Really small. Yeah. Um, it looks like he has a little bit of a hard time moving around. How do you do the parenting things that I do uh, when you're in that state, right? Like, right. that's got to be – that's a legitimate concern, I would imagine. Like, that kind of stuff. And that's that's what I think is the sad missed opportunity of this is they they wanted the, the grab-your-eyes of, oh, a movie about little people, but right. didn't want to focus on any of the things that would make it right. interesting – to have little people in there. Like, I want to know about I want to know about their, their, fucking their lives. Their lives are do, way more interesting to me. Right. You can do Rolf and this artist, and then her ex-boyfriend's maybe coming back in, and they're on the rocks, and Rolf has this explosive, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what's up. Or you do the movie, which I think I would have liked more, which is uh, Dinklage is this angry French revolutionary. And also, I was like, really? You made Dinklage French and gave him a Napoleon complex? That's very on the nose. Um, him and Patricia Arquette running around, both dealing with their own stuff. Uh, love on the run, real passion. He does that great line where he's like, "Weddings are for fools. Uh, weddings turn lovers into relatives." 
And I was like, I would sit on a picnic with him. There's a scene where those two are about to fuck in a park where all we saw was 10 children with Frisbees. <laughs> I'm like, that's the love story I want to watch. Like, those people are nuts. I don't disagree. Like, there's that great scene in the hotel where the guy's like, get your hooker asses out of the room. It's 3 o'clock. And so she grabs her sandal after she had covered him with healing stones. Right. She grabs her sandal and is like, don't call me a hooker, and fucking slaps the shit out of this guy with a skullet. Right. There's just a throwaway scene where Dinklage just grabs a gun. And he's yeah, just going to yeah. fucking shoot this just guy. Just a gun. He's just standing there with a the gun. I was like, what's going on? And it on? never comes back up. That's what I would have. I want to see that. Right? But instead, every fucking scene, like even Oldman dealing with uh, Bridget's character in the room. Yeah. Her boyfriend comes back. He's a full-size guy. And he's like offended that a, a little man might take his place. Whoops his ass. Um, David Allen Greer is also fucking her. Right? Like it always involves... Some kind I, I, of I don't understand why his more traditional has size such just like horrible like it's just such a bizarre I don't know there's just no factor in this movie of like oh this is the story we're supposed to follow like the story we're supposed to follow is I don't know like I just know things happened and then we got to the end and they kissed and I was like what the fuck is this movie they, about they gave Gary Oldman's story to McConaughey. Because they were probably worried. And that's the thing. I think this is the cool thing to watch. This is one of those kind of touchstone movies that will never happen again, I feel like. This movie well, today would not reasons. get made. And also just the amazing amount of talent they accrued to do such a weird project like this. All because of a head. The fact that back then, no one fucking raised. Like, imagine looking back on this now and saying, you had Peter fucking Dinklage. Who's not just probably the best little person actor most people think. Just a fucking phenomenally good actor. Yeah. Imagine if he is actually the lead going through yeah. this story. Oh, dude. Can right? You like, there's a part movie... of me where it's like, imagine the station agent where he's just like a normal character yeah. who happens yeah. to yeah. be small. And you just are like watching him act, but... Just the time of it, right? They they couldn't sell it without the two fucking rich well, people that Gary, parents want to jerk too, off to. Because Dinklage brought up someone and asked Dinklage, like, "How do you feel about that? Like, you should have been that part." And he's like, "Well, if I'm being honest, like, yes, I have my opinions on the political correctness of it all, but it's also Gary Oldman. Like, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Like, it's Gary Oldman. Like, what am I going to do? Argue that? Oh, I'm actually a little person, so I should be able to do it. Like, Gary Oldman wants to do the role. Gary Oldman should do it." Like, right. Well, we're in this era now where it's like, should right. normal guys play trans or well, now um, you know be, play? Well, like now Brian Cranston getting very killed different. for playing a wheelchair bound person. Right. But now I think but, it's very different. Like Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Now, if this movie was made again, like if this movie was made now, oh God, please remake Gods, please. If this movie got remade, it would start Peter Dinklage, and they would do the love triangle story because that would actually be a really compelling thing to watch and also be a little thrillery. Like, there'd be a lot of cool stuff to explore in that story rather than just what we got, which was like, oh, these normal, good-looking people had a baby and it's, you know, <laughs> or whatever. I mean, like, I just don't understand. Like, like that's the thing is, like, the movie is so warped in its perception of what exactly it's <laughs> trying to be that – it's insulting on not just multiple levels, but also just insulting on an intelligence level of like, how dare you insulting at an intelligence level is like, you guys are too stupid to understand what this is really about. You don't understand what little people go through. So what we're going to do is make sure Matthew McConaughey has to go through all this instead. Like I'm assuming the writer was also not a little person. 
Yeah, uh, it was, I think it was Matthew Briggs who <laughs> directed it. Oh my god! Did you notice? There's a scene when they get to McConaughey's parents' house where they have a table in the back. This is art department work right now. There's a table in the back, and the thing that adorns the top of the table is a fucking lawn gnome. <laughs> I was like, that's wrong. That's wrong. Thank you, art department. I'm like, one, it's not even in a garden. It's just on the table. I was like, I don't think these people would be so on brand. You know, I got to tell you. Let's hire this ornament to remind people of what we're going through. I don't know who listens to our show other than like the few people that like talk to us about the pod. But like if there's anyone out there who actually listens to our show that knows someone that worked on this movie, I would love to talk to them about this movie (laughs) on the show. Like if you know anyone. Who bound up Gary Oldman's legs every day? I want to talk to that guy. I love the scenes when he's obviously sticking out through a couch and they have the little fucking scarecrow legs. The little scarecrow legs that are clearly just stuffed with straw. Like, man. I can't believe they auditioned Dinklage and they're like, no, we want the straw legs. Yeah. Like, we want the knee crawl and the straw. (laughs) This movie would be so incredible with Peter Dinklage in that role. My God. Man, what a missed opportunity. I think it was the thing, right? So coming out of the 90s indie explosion, right? Like, this, this is kind of a problem we had a lot then, too. Like, Chasing Amy gets killed for that a lot now. Is it is this story about kind of an underrepresented culture, right? Um, you know that has a story to tell. Like I remember seeing that movie and being like, "Oh fuck!" Like I don't, I just have never had experiences with gay people, right? Right? Like I remember working at a movie theater, and you know back then everyone just called everything gay, right? Like instead of stupid, you said gay. South Park even made fun of it, right? And my manager was a lesbian she's like hey come over here and i was like yeah and she's like hey what the fuck are you doing and i was like what are you talking about she's like why are you saying things like this i'm like oh i guess i never thought about it she's like yeah well i'm I'm a lesbian that's not cool and i was like oh fuck i was like wow i never put two and two together right i like grew up in fucking indiana i never had experience same thing in the same thing in an outed lesbian right and it's like as soon as I saw that, I was like oh fuck man and you know between her and chasing amy that was like my whole fucking view on like what i knew about lesbians but chasing amy is uh there is a lesbian and his writing partner might be a closeted gay man but let's focus on just affleck's wants to fuck you know and and i think that's like just kind of one of the problems of looking back at movies and ascribing today's standards on them right um i still think that was a, a forward step right to make a movie like chasing amy even though it has the wrong lens um and again, this movie, like, I think it's cool that there was a movie that Peter Dinklage was in back then. Agreed. And a lot of those actors that you had seen in other things, this was one of the first ones where it felt like they had characters, right? Like, remember when Dinklage was going off about, you misuse your organization's powers. Right. And the other couple, it's just people having a discussion about a charitable organization, and they all just happen to be little people. Like, you know, that's still cool. And that there was this desire to tap into those undertold stories but i think it was more as a oh this will help us stand out rather than truly uh showing us what we're missing and i think that's the difference between now and today so i don't all the way kill it for that i just think there's obviously some other decisions made that make it seem like they were less than thoughtful across the board at times right but there are scenes that are really fascinating to me in this movie like i still am pondering that cell phone scene like what did that director think he was accomplishing in that moment 
I don't know. I, just, I think that it, shit is fun to ponder. I like thinking McConaughey's going to kill that kid right there. I was like, are we going fucking bone tomahawk on a newborn right now? I like that this movie felt edgy. You never knew what could happen. That's a little bit of a weird way to put it. I don't know if I would call this movie edgy. Peter Dinklage is about to murder a guy just for asking him to leave after he was supposed to have checked out. Uh, Peter Dinklage, as he rides Peter Dinklage a in another show, shot his father while he was taking his shit with a crossbow. So, but Peter in Dinklage, that world, it's normal. There's nothing. Peter Dinklage is more dangerous in the world of tiptoes than he is in the world of Game of Thrones. There's things that I would not. There's things that I would deem edgy, and then there's Matthew McConaughey, the director's choice of Matthew McConaughey, throwing his phone into the darkness for no reason. There is a million percent chance that children were forced to watch the beginnings of copulation between him and Patricia Arquette before they had to scurry pants around their ankles from the police. He's a dangerous man in this movie. Dangerous. His danger notwithstanding, I would not call anything that happens in this movie edgy. I'd call it misinformed (laughs) and also fragmented. So you're saying that my treasures are misbegotten? (laughs) I'm saying that one man's trash is clearly another man's treasure. (laughs) (laughs) That might be the best summation of this discussion we're having. And this this goes back like I'm I know I'm going to get at least a couple people love to always fucking I guess I'm the one who always is like out blasting the the opinions that bother people. Right. Because I always get a couple of those. Come on, you motherfucker. Like, you know, this is no Shawshank. It's like no fucking shit. Like, I, I can't remember what movie it was. We did. It was Congo. And someone's like, come on, man. Like, you know, that's not as good as Jaws. And I'm like, what? No shit. Duh. I was like. I know that. I'm like, I just said that I happened to like Congo because I saw it when I was a kid and it was weird. It had monkeys being killed by lasers right. and Tim there Curry are, doing whatever the fuck he was doing. We've talked about this before. There are movies that have these emotional attachments to when we were young, particularly. Like, I know Independence Day isn't the greatest <laughs> fucking movie of all time, but I also know that I have an emotional attachment to it because it's one of those things it's my dad awesome. and I shared it. I We thought it was awesome, too. <laughs> I also know that fucking Randy Quaid is a homeless psychopath now, but, you know, he was great yeah. in that movie. Like, Well, yeah, you have to divorce yourself a little bit from things like that. Right. What I would say, though, is that, to me, I, I still always come back to this point on the show. There are just some movies that... And this gets back, the whole point of this show is the alchemy of movies, right? Like, you have three Academy Award winning actors and one of the best television actors of all time. I would just say actors. I love Dinklage, but yeah, that's where he's too. won his awards. In this kind of weird niche rom-com, whatever the fuck it is. And this is what it became. Matthew McConaughey, everyone, like, you know, him and his fucking Kate Hudson movies, whatever, we thought he was about to eat a baby yeah. in the middle of that. Like, there is a a strange magic <laughs> to the result of this experiment. And the fact that this movie will be more memorable to me than 80% of the movies I take in this year. It just will. Probably even more than that. Like, imagine the movies you'll see this year that will stick with you more than tiptoes. I would imagine the list is small. I don't disagree that the movie is memorable. That's added value though, right? Like, that's what I mean. This is cultural cash to fucking make rain on the fucking dregs of society. I don't disagree that it's cultural. uh, It's 
culturally entertain it's cultural entertainment to talk about it <laughs> in this in yeah. this way it's However, not like a cultural trust fund or whatever like shawshank it's it's a cultural stack of like ones like 32 ones sure it's a cultural stack of ones star garden. Yeah, you make rain yeah exactly <laughs> you take that to star garden or club burlesque and you're gonna have a great night but <laughs> on its artistic merit this movie is not good and that has probably nothing to do with that has no it's no shame on the th- three the four actors that are the leads Alex. in this film it is a victim of probably a lot of shitty editing and pretty poor camera work me and kate beckinsale think you need help man you're just you're holding on to this anger this this thing i'm not you angry. need to go join whatever group mcconaughey's about to be in for near child murder uh no i don't need to go to jail that's not me that's not my problem <laughs> Uh, I can't believe we didn't get the scene where McConaughey finds out that his brother Rolf has been fucking porking Kate Beckinsale. I thought I think that would be an infinitely more interesting movie than vignettes of a dickhole in his daily life. <laughs> his his turn, memorable, terrifying. Is this a top five McConaughey performance? <laughs> sure, why not? It has range. That is range. It's it's on par with like it's you know it's weird like his psychosis. Dude, he went from Paul Walker to his, Bradley Dorf. His psychosis <laughs> in the his psychosis like at, in that doctor in the <laughs> delivery room scene, like the look on his face is that same look from like the first time we see McConaughey of the future in True Detective. You're like, man, that guy's seen some fucking city miles, man. Look yeah. at that guy. Yeah, like, he has the <laughs> same look on his face. Pretty impressive. Yeah, after he had already told us that his brother, like, ah, kids were pretty cool to him. He had some medical stuff, but his life was okay. Now he's a successful writer. Yeah. Like, oh, his life's You're fine. Like, it sucks he has to hang out with a fucking French militant all the time. But other than that, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It, it's what a, what a, just a bizarre movie, man. Like, yes, and that makes it worth your hour and a half. At least it was an hour and a half. I'll give it that. Tell me it, this. It has the worth, best runtime. You know this was worth watching. And discussing with your friends. The Alchemist should watch this and share it with people close to them. Oh, yeah. It's, of course, worth watching. Like, there's nothing that we've seen other than probably Humanoids of the Deep that is not worth watching. No! We will not go back and have you be making fun of Humanoids. That guy got laid through ventriloquism. That's amazing. (laughs) Nope. Sorry. Can't give it to you. And directed by a woman, dude. We need that kind of representation. Excuse me. Directed by a woman who then got booted off for not putting enough tits in it. So, no. Not really directed by a woman. Basically. Nothing's perfect. Nothing's perfect. I'll let. Oh, okay. Cool. We're just going to me too. Humanoids of the deep. Deep. Got it. Right, cool. <laughs> How dare yeah. you? You heard it here first. Don't you fucking. You don't heard it here you first. Hashtag. Griff's, don't Gr- you hashtag humanoids. Griff's going to get me too for sure. Everyone knows it. Why? Because I like a movie with fucking ventriloquism and fish people? Because you. Oh, sorry. I like, I mean, yes, I could do without the rapes like that. I could do without, but there's other stuff I like in there. Oh, I see you had to qualify that though. Hmm. Rough. How dare you? (laughs) How? I don't know how you're not just covered in the scars of your very fucking hard cornered table. (laughs) Someday you'll come on to Camelot's with our rounded table of acceptance. I'll tell you right now, if we have listeners that want to watch tiptoes, I think that would be a very fascinating experience. Uh, I, would, I would really like to hear other people's opinions on this movie. 
There is a 100% chance that within the next couple months, I will get baked and watch Tiptoes probably twice in a row and just be like, what? <laughs> That's a night that I've already picked out. Like some night, my wife and kids will be gone. I'll have no responsibilities. And I'm just going to smoke out and watch Tiptoes as many times in a row as I can until I pass out and then see what kind of dreams I have. <laughs> That is guaranteed a plan in my future. <laughs> and that'll be the end of the pod, guys, because uh, he'll never come back from that shit. Yeah, once you've flown so high, the wings melt, as we've learned. Uh, guys, that's it for Tiptoes. I honestly, I don't even know if we said anything. That's the magic of Tiptoes. It puts you in a spin cycle, and you hope you come out without a neck choker and a Godsmack tattoo on your back. And that sweet, lucky hat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I... Love that we watched this movie and got to talk about it. I hope you guys are not scared off by the hard judgments of Alex and just open your minds like fucking Neo in the Matrix. Get some friends together and watch this fucking extinct species of movie that you'll never fucking see again. <laughs> oh, yeah. What a shame. You won't. Uh, no, don't worry. There's plenty of shit movies out there. Okay. There, that, that, that brand of movie is not extinct. How don't worry. dare you? This is not like an asylum movie. There's art here, brother. Okay. <laughs> if you, you find us on a sure podcast you smoke directory, out hey, I'm outroing. I've had enough of you. I've had enough of you sniping <laughs> from your fucking high tower of elitism. It's fine with me, man. I watched it. I don't give a shit. I know what I'm it was the about. mom in the house of Jack. You're up there in your red hat and your sniper tower, yep. and I'm trying to protect my babies. Oh yeah, but you fail, and I fucking grumpy your ass. I don't give a shit. All right, I walked into that. Poor, poor analogy. <laughs> uh, if you can leave a rating and review, you know what? Fuck it, man. I've had enough. It was cool. Uh, for the film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffin. Leave us a rating and review. I'm Alex Dandino. Don't turn your lovers into relatives. <laughs>